welcome to another Dairy Dialogue podcast for March the 8th, the first in March. And mad as a March hare, as they say, and I think at least in the UK, it's the month when the first thing you say is supposed to be white rabbits. I have no idea why, but I'm pretty sure my first words this month were, no, it's too early to watch TV. Regardless of what time you're listening to this podcast, thank you. I'm Jim Cornell, editor of Dairy Reporter, and I'm almost over the jet lag and fatigue from the trip to Gulf Food in Dubai, where I did way more interviews than I'd anticipated. And of course, to make matters worse, I'm on another trip. First, the apologies, as I was unable to create the podcast last week, thanks to two things, although I'm not complaining, things happen. The first is a couple of interviews I was planning for the show didn't happen, and the second was a computer meltdown that destroyed some of the interviews I did at Gulf Food. It's funny, well, not at the time it isn't, but it's funny how when you lose stuff on a computer, you spend at least half an hour in complete denial that anything has happened, searching for the files, thinking that they have to be somewhere. Well, a week after it happened, they still aren't anywhere. Okay, back to golf food. There's one huge hall dedicated to the dairy industry, so of course you go around there first and do some interviews, which is great, but then, as you wander around the place, you realise not only is it huge, but there are literally hundreds more relevant companies around. Many of them were hidden away in some different location, whether it was free from or quite often in an area dedicated to a specific country. And there were lots of country zones from pretty much every continent. So I'd do another interview and think, okay, that's it, I've easily got enough now. And then I'd snack on some samples, including the best hummus I've ever tasted from a company in Jordan, walk around a bit more and see another interesting company and eat some more samples. And so it went on. I think the next time I'll have to take a few disguises so I can visit the same booth for samples several times without arousing suspicion. The event is so huge there's an app with a map, which sounds a bit like a Dr. Seuss book, but I found it didn't really work very well. For one, you had to know where you were going and which booth you were currently at, and I couldn't find any numbers on most of the booths. Other than to go into the app, search for the company, find the booth number, then go back to the company I was trying to get to, find their booth number, and then have a red line connect the two, but with no sense of whether or not you were headed in the right direction because it didn't seem to work. So I deleted the app. The only time I did find an information booth, I was asking a question when someone came up and started asking questions and taking over. And for some reason, rather than say, sorry, I'll deal with you in a moment, I'm talking to this poor disheveled Englishman who has no clue. She engaged him in conversation instead, so I just walked away. I say walked when I really mean limped. I know I've complained about people walking into me while on phones or with those wheelie bags, but this was on a whole new level. Imagine one of those roller derbies or American football or rugby, only with people in suits, and you're close. I wasn't the only one either. Several other people I spoke to were saying the same thing. Why are people just walking into me? If I go to golf food again, I'm wearing full protective gear and I don't care if I look like a marshmallow. Or better still, I'll offer to be one of the mascots that were there in a furry suit. Although maybe not, because I assume that those things are quite hot. I remember covering an event one time at a hockey rink in Canada when Winnie the Pooh, I assume not the real one, fainted and a few kids were really, really upset. Anyway, just like Winnie the Pooh, I survived, just about and only got asked for directions three times during this trip, one of which was by an Armani employee who had just been attending a fashion show and who tried to sell me a suit. 
Like the crazy person that I am, I'm at another event this week, as you can perhaps tell from the quality of the audio. Only this isn't a warm climate. I'm in Poland, in the capital Warsaw. I shall let you know if I'm a target again at the event, or if anything else interesting happens, and hopefully we'll have some interviews from Poland in an upcoming podcast. Of course, golf food is the subject of this week's show as we feature a few interviews from the event. I do take videos of the interviews too, so at some point when I'm back from Poland, some of the interviews that survived my computer deciding it didn't like me should start to appear online soon. And we have three interviews from the show. One with a cheese company from Spain, Vega Mancha, then the Union Dairy Company from Australia, and finally Palestinian ice cream company, El Ayers. And we take a look at the weekly global dairy market with INTL FC Stone. So first this week, it's to cheese and the Spanish company Vega Mancha, which is a combination of three Spanish cheese producers trying to export their cheeses all around the world. Maria Mercedes Esparcia is export director at Vega Mancha. Yeah, we are two factories uh, located in Spain. We have a long tradition of making cheese. And, uh, and we have started exporting our cheese about uh, 10 years ago. So uh, the advantage of our company is that we are makers and we make basically 90%, 90% of all the cheeses existing in Spain. We distribute in over 40 countries. And uh, we are very happy because we are growing like 20 to 30 percent every year. Our factories are located in very traditional parts, uh, locations in Spain, in Murcia and in Albacete especially. We are PDO, then we make a protected denomination of origin products like the Moncheco. And our other specialities are uh, the new cheeses with truffle, with black olive, with black garlic, with uh, mushrooms. And the traditional ones like the Monchego that everybody knows, with, both with Romeo and pasta rice and, uh, and goat logs, ripened goat products, and all the rest of products or cheeses that you can find in Spain. And where do you sell your products? Which Where? Countries? Yeah. In, okay, to the UK as well. And we are basically in all the world uh, except some countries in South Africa and uh, and some countries in South America. For the rest of we are, as I said, more than 40 countries. If I start telling you all the countries we are, like, we can't long. Yeah, and, and you have some new products that you have here? Yes, of course. We are presenting now the uh, ship cheese with mojo picon, which is our newest specialty. Um, it is uh, a ship cheese injected with mojo picon from the Canary Islands. It's uh, quite new, and you can't find a cheese like that in the market. And obviously, we are also pushing sales with our truffle cheese, which is a very nice uh, product made in Spain with A-ship cheese and then cured with truffle. And how, how often do you make new or bring out new products to the market? Continuously. We, are always, we have a very important uh, I plus D, innovation and technology department, who is taking care of developing new products all the time because we think it's very important. So how many staff would you have in your... Oh, all together we are over 200 people. In 2016, the midfield group and global agricultural company Louis Dreyfus 
joined forces to create the Union Dairy Company, which began operation in 2017. The Australian company, based in Panola, has an annual processing capacity of 300 million litres, and some of its team were at Gulf Food to promote the various products the company exports. We spoke with Andrew Wellington about the company. So Colin McKenna, dairy farmer from Victoria, started up a, um, an agricultural uh, business. It's based on, uh, based on farming, so he's a beef, uh, beef cattle farmer. And uh, then that beef cattle became a butchery, became abattoirs. And uh, then he grew his dairy farming business as well. So Midfield Pastoral, Midfield Pastoral is now uh, six dairy farms, uh, 60 million litres of milk, and six and a half thousand cows. And um, he wasn't getting a fair uh, return for his milk, in his opinion. So the only way to prove that was build our own milk company. So uh, the Union Dairy Company was born and uh, located in southeast South Australia, a place called Panola in the Coonawarra wine region and it processes uh, 300 million litres of milk a year. So currently we've got 60 million litres of our own milk, uh, midfield pastoral's milk, and we've got 90 milk suppliers, so a combination of South Australian suppliers and uh, Western Victorian milk suppliers. Right. And by Australian standards, is that big or, or small? Yeah, look, it's a small processor. Uh, to, it's reasonable from a single site. Similar to another company in, uh, in Victoria, uh, Borough Foods, got a similar uh, milk supply, they're a single site. And there isn't many businesses around that are just based uh, premium ingredients. Uh, they're generally people who've gone into branded products. We've chosen our niche as being a premium ingredient supplier. So skim milk powder for export, backed up by the fact we've got uh, our cream market is all is predominantly domestic cream. So the uh, the big ice cream manufacturers, dairy desserts, they are taking our fresh cream products in bulk milk tankers. So right up as far as uh, Queensland, which is a good 30 hours uh, transport away. The secret behind our shelf life on the cream products is our quality uh, milk quality. So having uh, direct control over our own milk quality, because we have our own milk on farm, we've got quite strict quality standards for the milk that we receive. We haven't just gone to, everybody said, will you supply us milk? We've targeted farms and said, we would like to, uh, like you to supply uh, milk to us. And then that's how we've grown the business. So only 18 months into the game and we've got 200 million litres coming to us at the moment. Uh, next dairy season will be full and we're not, we're not supplying all of Midfield's milk to Union Dairy Company yet. We've kept that out parcel out to the side so that uh, when we build our next factory, we can then put that uh, quantity of milk into our second factory and that'll be our head start. And, and as you mentioned, you have your own farms and your own cows as opposed to buying in from another source. Yeah, so uh, again, uh, that our own milk supply was born, well the factory was born because we wanted to do better with that milk supply pool. Uh, we didn't think, we still don't believe Australian dairy processors uh, historically have done a great job of uh, returning value to the dairy farmers. So what we see now in Australia is uh, our dairy, uh, dairy milk supply is in decline. There's a lot of uh, aspects that uh, the current dairy producers are saying well, it's drought or it's high prices or it's high this or high that. The reality is dairy farmers haven't had a fair return uh, for their milk in the past and we're proof of that being dairy farmers ourselves, let's turn it around. So build your own dairy plant, uh, understand the cost properly. We know the cost of uh, pro uh, producing milk, we now know the cost of manufacturing dairy products and we feel we are to price lead uh, going forward. Right, and so what, why would you come to Gulf Food? Gulf Foods for us, so a Union Dairy Company was a JV, a joint venture with Louis Dreyfus Company. 
Louis drove us, uh, had an offtake agreement uh, to market and sell all of our all of our product. Uh, Dreyfus has publicly um, announced that they're uh, stepping away from dairy due to their own own reasons. So for us now, it's taking over that uh, the sales and distribution. So it's us introducing ourselves to all of Louis Dreyfus's work, with, uh, the customer base that they've built, is to meet them, meet that customer base, and, uh, and just say, look, you're dealing with us direct now. And by the way, anyone else that Dreyfus hasn't hadn't touched or hadn't gained as a client, uh, yeah, we're a new dairy company and uh, we're Australian producer, privately owned, uh, with our own milk supply. And so is this traditionally a market for, for your company? Middle East, I suppose, so Midfield Group, uh, we're very large in, uh, in meat exports. Uh, with Midfield Meat's got the largest uh, chilled lamb uh, exporting or imports into, into the Middle East. And so it's, uh, it's, our aim is to back dairy business off the back of the already established meat business that uh, Midfield has. So Midfield Group uh, exports meat to 110 countries and uh, there's no reason why we can't put our dairy products into each of those 110 countries. So what would be ideal uh, for us in the future is have a, have a bag of powder in every box of meat sold uh, yeah, into these markets. Next, it's to a Palestinian company to talk ice cream. Always a pleasant topic in warm climates. Zahi Anabtawi, Chairman and General Manager of Alaris Ice Cream, chatted with us about the company and its products. Uh, Alaris was established back in 1950. Uh, I represent uh, the third generation of the company. Right now we have, uh, we are training the fourth generation to make sure that business will keep on running in the, in the future. In the last three years, we've uh, built a new factory in, in Palestine, in Nablus. The capacity of the new premises is around 8 million litres of ice cream per month. Right now, we are 50% working capacity of that full capacity. We export our product to Jordan, Oman, and last year we started exporting to Mauritius. Uh, the reason we're here in Gulf Food is to try to expand uh, a little bit more within the region, the regional market. We believe we have product that can compete with all the international brands, price-wise and quality-wise. Uh, that's the reason we, we're here. Uh, and, and where do you source the products from? The, the, the milk? The raw material, we have it from all over the world. We have the flavors from France, uh, skim milk from Poland, grabbing material from Italy and Turkey. So basically, we get the best from all over the world to make the best ice cream. Mm. And you have some new products as well? Yeah, we have plenty of new products. Is that in ice creams? They're all ice cream products? Basically, yeah, in, in ice cream. But re recently we've uh, installed a new line that makes also wafer uh, that has a good quality also. And now it's time to get a weekly look at the global dairy markets with Liam Fenton from INTL FC Stone. Butter remained under pressure this week uh, in quarter two, which dropped around 75 euros to the 41.75 level. 
Uh, quarter three, on the other hand, remained uh, relatively stable at the 43.25 level. Uh, this seems to be on the back of continued support uh, from end users um, and what was a relatively cheap price based on the last two years where quarter three was subsequently traded well north of the 5,000 level uh, seen by end users as an opportunity to, to, to cut out that risk. The drop in quarter two could largely be attributed to the French quotation dropping by about 250 euros. Cream also added to that um, where it was lower. Uh, reported prices were down from the 45.50 level to the, closer to the 44.50 level. The view seems to be um, that there's still an abundant supply of milk on the way uh, given the mild winter spring weather, particularly from the likes of Ireland and Poland. Uh, Skimmel powder was stable this week. Uh, quarter three was trading around the 2000 level in size. Um, as end users started to dip into the market to cover their newfound exposure um, as prices have been moving higher in the last six months uh, since the intervention issue has, be, has, has uh, been resolved or has been looking to be resolved. There still seems to be a supply though of intervention stock uh, being sold in the market uh, but this has been remaining stable at slightly better bid where levels at 1700 have been reported. Way has been under pressure and offers for the front, cur- front of the curve have been coming in at under, at under the €800 le- euro level. Thanks, Liam. INCL FC Stone provides risk management and margin hedging programs and services, as well as OTC hedging tool and M&A advisory services to the global dairy industry. And that's all we have time for for another week. Back in the office next week, and I'm making no promises on the companies that we'll be interviewing, because it could be companies from World Food in Poland, but you never know if my computer's going to delete them all. It's all a bit like 2001, a space odyssey. Only now it's 2019, a space odyssey. And Hal is saying, sorry Jim, I'm afraid I can't save that. Thanks for listening.